You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It's a soggy New Year's Eve for partiers waiting to ring in the new year on the south coast. Heavy rain drenching Metro Vancouver and putting a damper on the evening and some of the outdoor events. Catherine Urquhart is live with more on the impact this storm is having. Catherine. Well, Sophie, Chris, we are here at the new Skate Plaza in North Vancouver. It is undercover and everyone here is having fun. But that's not the case for everyone this New Year's Eve, thanks to the weather. On the Coquihalla Highway, slushy, slippery conditions. Snow tires, an absolute must. Chains, mandatory for truckers. Motorists faced winter conditions on the Sea to Sky Highway also. Challenging for those at the wheel. Good news for skiers and snowboarders. Oh, super excited. Finally some snow. Oh, it's so great. We're really excited. We've been waiting uh, a couple weeks for it, so we're ready. Oh, I love it. It's uh, beautiful out and it makes Whistler look like it should. I'm happy that there's snow but it's a bit slushy. Conditions proved disastrous for local ski hills planning New Year's Eve events. Cypress, Seymour and Grouse all cancelled their fireworks because of the rain and wind. Ah, uh, we came to see fireworks, but I oh, hope no. the rain would stop and then they can do some fireworks because we are very excited to be here. No. We're from Seattle, we're used to the rain, so. You're still gonna have fun? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a good night. Your family? Yeah, all the family. We came from Mexico just to watch the, the show. In the Okanagan Valley, a snowfall warning has ended, but a number of alerts remain in that region. Road conditions in many areas are poor, notably east of Vernon, where highway crews say there have been downed trees and power lines, along with numerous collisions. Now, if you're planning any trips, you'll want to check with Drive BC beforehand. Conditions can change rapidly, and you'll want to be prepared. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Catherine Urquhart on the North Shore Undercover tonight. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon with more on how much rain and snow has fallen so far and when we'll get a break. Christy? Sophie, potentially the wettest day of the year across Metro Vancouver with 78 millimeters of rain in a 24-hour period. So yes, finishing 2019 with a soaker. Now, we are going to see rain continue regions as we bring in the new year, although it looks like there's a chance much of Metro Vancouver will be dry. Now, we still do have a chance of showers, but it looks much drier there. But if you're headed towards the mountains, that's where you'll see the majority of the moisture. And by tomorrow morning, conditions continue to ease up. Meanwhile, yes, the Okanagan Valley getting hammered with higher terrain up to 25 centimeters of snow. It was a heavy, wet snow. So 30,000 uh, 30, uh, homes were without power at one point this morning because of that snowfall. Now, it is also going to ease off, but when I come back, I'm going to show you your New Year's uh, Day forecast for the mountain highways. You're going to want to see this because we're still expecting more. All right. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Thanks, Christy. All right. And as we heard earlier, the weather is impacting a number of New Year's Eve celebrations tonight. And on top of that, there is no major fireworks display in Vancouver as we've seen in years past. The sponsor promises it will return next year, but this time in False Creek, where, as Grace Key reports, neighbors are already planning ahead. 
In Vancouver, people won't be welcoming in 2020 with a bang. Concord's New Year's Eve fireworks celebration is taking a break this year to prepare for its new planned location along East Falls Creek. But this year, no fireworks may not be such a bad thing. I wouldn't be out in this weather to watch fireworks. I'll be staying home where it's nice and warm. I'm feeling okay. I think I want to stay inside and have a drink. The plan is to move the fireworks show from Coal Harbour to the inner harbour between Camby Street Bridge and Science World. The show promises to be even better with multiple fireworks barges and the exterior lights of Science World and other area buildings will be fully synchronised with the fireworks. Debuting on December 31st, 2020, Olympic Village residents will get a front row seat on the action. Kind of torn with that because on one hand I'm thinking about the animals, on the other hand I'm thinking I'll see it from my balcony then. One of Vancouver's signature New Year's Eve events is held every year at Science World. Six DJs and performers help 1,100 people dance the night away on two floors. The event organizer is looking forward to having the fireworks near Science World. So that's just going to bring a lot more attention to the area, to the event. Uh, We're fortunate that while the event will be independent from that fireworks show, we have a large indoor and outdoor viewing area for those fireworks, on two levels in fact. And if you are looking for a safe way to get home, don't forget transit is free tonight. So starting right now, you can hop on a bus and it is free until 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. If you're taking SkyTrain, the Sea Bus or West Coast Express, that is also free until the end of service on January 1st. And if you're partying downtown starting at 2 o'clock in the morning, all night bus routes will be running from the night bus district. Chris? All right. Nice to know some free transportation later. Thanks, Grace. Well, speaking of getting to your destination, for those who do have somewhere to go this evening, planning ahead for a safe ride is once again going to be a challenge. Partygoers likely to face long waits tonight as the promise of ride handling in B.C. is stalled at the curb. As Richard Zussman reports, options will be tight and criticism is at an all-time high. Even without the rain, New Year's Eve is one of the busiest nights of the year for taxis. But cabs were supposed to have company this year. As the calendar flips over to 2020, ride sharing still not in Metro Vancouver. BC Liberal MLA Jazz Johal says it's unfair to those British Columbians who are anxiously awaiting a ride share. I remind British Columbians, the NDP said we'd have ride hailing by the end of 2017. Never came. End of 2018, they said, never came. They said Halloween 2019. No, Thanksgiving 2019. Christmas 2019. And here we are, no ride hailing in the largest metropolitan area here in British Columbia. The government said it was more complicated than it thought in order to get ride sharing on the road. But a few weeks ago, they were confident that the big companies would be on the road before tonight. That's not the case. And it has meant British Columbians are disappointed that on New Year's Eve, they won't be able to pull out their phones and get a ride. Taxis are so full all the time, there's not enough options for people and everything. And it's not always easy accessible, you know, when people want to go home. In a statement, Transportation Minister Claire Trevena says she wants to see ride-sharing here and the previous government is the reason for the delays, adding the timing of the decision is up to the Independent Passenger Transportation Board. In a statement, Trevena says the PTB is independent and makes decisions independent of government. 
While we're disappointed that ride-hailing services are not yet operating, we respect the board's independence and process, which is meant to provide transparency to those impacted by board decisions. This is a broken promise at the end of the day. British Columbians have a right to be frustrated. People are going to be leaving parties tonight and not having a ride, waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. And that's not fair. The board is in the midst of reviewing 22 applications, including Uber and Lyft. It has approved one company, Whistle Ride, but according to its website, its app is still not operational. So even those in Tofino that were hoping for a lift on New Year's Eve aren't going to get one. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria. A man wanted for murder in Texas and who was briefly thought to be a suspect in the murders in northern B.C. has been arrested. 28-year-old Derek Wisenand was arrested yesterday after an alleged shoplifting incident at a business in Halifax. RCMP have been looking for Wisenand since he entered Canada illegally in June. He's suspected in the murder of a 70-year-old man from Texas. In July, following the murders of Lucas Fowler and China Deese in northern B.C., RCMP released a sketch of a person that closely resembled Wisenand. A short time later, Briar Schmigelski and Cam McLeod were named as the suspects in those killings. Wisenand will, be, uh, will remain in custody while arrangements are made to hand him over to American authorities. A convicted pedophile from the Lower Mainland has been arrested in a sexual exploitation probe run by the OPP and Peterborough Police. Danny Depew is one of eight people charged. Rumina Dea has more on the undercover operation that caught him and the warning for all parents. It's frightening to think how many children Danny Depew may have contacted before he was caught. Unfortunately, where the children go, the offenders go. 52-year-old Depew, a convicted pedophile from Abbotsford, clueless. His every move was being tracked by officers posing as kids in a child exploitation sting set up by Ontario Provincial Police. Within logging into whatever site uh, we happen to be in that day, um, it's within minutes. It's, it's very quick. Um, you often can't keep up with the amount of people that are trying to contact you. Police targeted 36 suspects over the course of three days. Six were arrested on site when they arrived to meet the child for sex. One suspect drove over 290 kilometers to have sex with a child. A lot of these types of arrests, we are dealing with persons that have not been arrested before, um, but it is certainly not the first child they've spoken to online. Eight men between the ages of 21 to 55 were ultimately charged as part of Project Peace Haven. Depew is now facing three counts of luring a person under 16. The BC man sent to jail for more than five years for previous convictions of sex assault and sexual exploitation involving young girls in Calgary. I can't stress enough how fast it can happen. The, as time goes on, the amount of time between initial contact and kids sending pictures sometimes is no more than a few minutes. Police pounding home the obvious again. Don't meet people you don't know. And parents, track your child's virtual life. I would assume your child has more than one profile. <laughs> I would say um, well, they probably have another one or another two that you don't know about. Romina Dea, Global News. Right now, though, a story about bureaucratic bungling at its finest. A Tawasson homeowner 
trying to get someone, anyone, to remove an old telephone pole on his property. After getting the runaround on the phone, he called Global BC. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, while we got him some help, even that didn't go as planned. It's leaning a bit that way and it sort of wobbles a bit. You can't really call it a pole anymore. Balanced precariously and strapped to the new and improved model, it sits useless in front of Ian Ross's house. It's part of half aesthetics, I think, and uh, half, uh, certainly if you backed your car into it, I think it would come down. Ross initially called Hydro. And they said, no, it's actually um, a TELUS pole. Then he called TELUS. They told me, no, it's a Delta Cable. He tried Delta Cable. <laughs> I called Delta Cable, who were also very helpful. Uh, and they put me back in touch with uh, TELUS and said, no, that's a, that's a TELUS pole. Finally, back at TELUS, a crew was dispatched. A tech from TELUS would show up at my door saying, I'm here to fix your optic TV. And I said, the problem's not with my optic TV. Four times. We talked to TELUS about their pole. They promised it would be gone before the new year. The contractor hired to do the job was given bad information, told the pole was already lying down. They brought the wrong truck. I'm the guy on the block with the, uh, <laughs> the old utility pole. A bucket truck eventually showed up and the pole came down two months after Ian first called. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A new warning tonight that a fish that's been attracting anglers from around the world to BC for decades is in serious trouble. Paul Johnson has the shocking numbers on the decline in BC's steelhead population and what guides and conservationists say has led to this crisis. Fish on! The mighty steelhead, elusive and notorious for its fighting instinct. You know, they're called the fish of a thousand casts, and they don't call them that for no reason. In the lower mainland, you'll find anglers going for steelhead on the Chilliwack River. And every year, the Chilliwack Fish and Game Club has its Boxing Day Steelhead Derby. 14.31 pounds. Here's some video from previous years and the fish they caught then. And here's video from this year where there was no question about who the winner was, because only a single steelhead was caught, despite 312 anglers participating. Possibly the worst result in the 75-year history of the event. Talking to a lot of anglers, nobody's catching any fish. So where are they? John Waring is a science advisor for the David Suzuki Foundation and an avid fisherman as well. He says there are few definitive answers explaining the decline of steelhead on the Fraser River's tributaries and suspects a number of factors in tandem, along with what he says has been poor management from the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. Instead of taking steps to mitigate the problems, we start seeing uh, overfishing continuing, in fact increasing. We start seeing habitat destruction occurring. DFO didn't respond to our request for comment on their management of steelhead in the Fraser River system. But organizers of the Boxing Day Derby told us they're bracing themselves for the situation to get worse and said there were indeed a lot of frustrated anglers on the Chilliwack this year, a spot where steelhead were once abundant. Waring says the Boxing Day bust of 2019 should be a wake-up call for everyone. I'm just saying at this point in time, the canary is singing. Uh, it may not be dying yet, uh, but it will be soon. Paul Johnson, Global News. Now, a brazen TV heist caught on video on Vancouver Island this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. 
idiot. Suspects taking off from the superstore in Langford around 4.30 p.m. with the TV hanging out of the back seat. As the driver makes a dangerous getaway through the parking lot, one suspect races to get into the front seat. One witness telling Global News the criminals went out the indoor and shoved her out of the way as they hustled the TV in part way before fleeing, almost leaving the second suspect behind. We have reached out to West Shore RCMP for more details. Terrifying video of a raging wildfire overtaking Australian firefighters in a truck. The crew was forced to take shelter in that truck, at one point putting up fire-resistant blankets until the fire's front finally passed by. Remarkably, they are all okay. The situation in Australia is described as apocalyptic. Hundreds of fires have burned 5 million hectares, destroyed more than 1,000 homes and killed at least 12 people. In a small coastal resort town, thousands of people are stranded on a beach with no escape by land as fires surround them. Rod Sheehan took this video from his boat off the coast of New South Wales, Australia, Tuesday afternoon, moments before the daylight had been choked away by wildfire smoke. 2019 came to a close in a terrifying way for thousands along Australia's south coastline as they huddled on beaches and docks, praying that the fire's front would stay away. It is pitch black. It is quite scary in that community. We've got three strike teams sitting in with the community, literally standing side by side with our community at the beachfront. More than 200 fires are burning across New South Wales and Victoria. Protecting life and property remains the focus for those on the front lines. But the risk to firefighters, many of whom are volunteers, is great. The New South Wales Fire Department shared this dramatic video on social media. A crew forced to shelter in their truck as flames burned around them. Watch 38 coming That crew survived, but volunteer firefighter Samuel McPaul did not. The 28-year-old died Monday following what crews on the ground described as an extraordinary wind event, a suspected tornado produced by the power of the blaze itself. That's resulted in, in cyclonic-type winds that has moved across the fire ground uh, and has literally lifted up a, a 10 or 12-tonne fire truck uh, and flipped it onto its roof. The fires, which have been burning across Australia since September, have stretched local resources as far as they can go. So more Canadians are heading to the country to help. 14 firefighters from BC, Alberta and Ontario are now heading to join more than 50 other Canadians already on the ground. Another 21 will join them this weekend. They have come and helped us uh, over the last few years and an opportunity to go help and support them in a time of need. I thought I'll put my hand up. Joining in a firefight that will stretch well beyond this new year. Ringing in 2020 with a light show nobody wanted to see. Heather Urex West, Global News, Calgary. And of course, it's not just people running from the fires. This video capturing dozens of kangaroos racing across a smoky field. Australia's bushland is home to kangaroos, koalas, wallabies and wombats, among many others. Officials don't have any exact figure on how many animals have been killed, but say it is likely to be in the millions. Caught on video, a hiker caught in a massive wave in California. If you missed it, take another look. That's him on an outcropping of rock in Santa Cruz. The wave knocking him off his feet and then washing him into the ocean. Believe it or not, he's okay.
Officials are warning wave heights could reach eight meters over the next few days. Firefighters were called in to rescue four people after a boat slammed into a jetty in the Florida city of Hollywood. One woman was ejected from the vessel on impact and is in critical condition. The other three people were only slightly injured. Police don't know at this point what caused that crash. The end of another year and decade, of course, is a big event for almost everyone. But for one B.C. woman, it marks the end of an era more personal. She is working her final shift today as a maternity nurse after more than four decades on the job. Nadia Stewart has her remarkable story. In the album, you'll see my graduation. Okay. Shelley Abrecht is spending the last day of 2019 reflecting on the last 44 years. It feels surreal. It feels bittersweet. I'm going to cry. Tuesday marks her last day on the job. It's time to go. But um, I've had a great run for 44 years. Great experiences. Yeah. When Abrecht began her career, the old Grace Hospital, now BC Women's, was her first home. The head nurse that I had initially was like an army head nurse. It was important to bounce dimes on the beds, and the bed making was really an important part of my job. Her expertise in bed making, rivaled only by her depth of knowledge on the maternity unit, having cared for thousands of families over the years as they welcomed the newest member of their family. One of the biggest changes she's seen, the switch to single care rooms for new moms. I loved the single room philosophy at women's. I worked in their unit when it started. There was a lot of controversy because it was like a new thing. Women can come in, families can come in, they labor, deliver, they have their postpartum in the same room. This is such a much better model of care. Yeah, happy retirement. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and so the goodbyes, sad but sweet, are seemingly endless. From colleagues who will miss her, she'll miss them too. I work with some great people, great doctors, great nurses. Nurses who will continue to deliver up to 400 babies a month here at Surrey Memorial Hospital. It's what Abrecht says she'll remember most. Oh, it's such a privilege and an honor to be with a family when they're experiencing that labor and delivery. To me, I just feel so honored that I could be a part of it. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Scary moments late last week when a houseboat began to sink in the early morning hours in the Gorge Waterway in Saanich. The owner suddenly found himself clinging to his submerged home in the chilly water all alone except for his dog. Thankfully, as Global's Brad McLeod reports, someone heard his cries for help. That 66-year-old Barry being rescued by the Coast Guard and Saanich Fire for the second time in a day. Earlier on December 27th, Barry's floating home took on water while he and his dog were on board. Barry made it to shore. Crews arrived, we deployed our rescue boat and we um, made contact with the dog and pulled the dog off the vessel. And we tried to secure the vessel, although the tides were uh, rushing that, uh, at that time of day. A very cold Barry was taken to hospital, his dog to a temporary shelter. But the boat floated for kilometres from the gorge in Victoria to Portage Inlet. Fire crews and the Coast Guard returned to check if the wreckage was leaking. But they found Barry on board again. Much too cold and mildly hypothermic to swim back to shore, so with the assistance of uh, our good friends at Canada Coast Guard, we uh, managed to throw a life jacket and a lifeline to him. 
and uh, we managed to get him to shore. He said he was looking for his dog, who was already safe, and his belongings. He loved his boat. Barry's sister lives in the Lower Mainland. She started a GoFundMe page for her brother, who's been living on his boat for five years. The monetary funds are one thing, but the bigger piece, pieces, is our awareness, compassion, and the message that would be sent to my brother. Teferit says it's been a tough stretch for Barry, recently suffering a series of strokes and now losing his home. As for Barry's living situation, he's not alone. There are several people living on boats on the Gorge Waterway in Victoria, but it's not allowed. Bylaw officers regularly remind people on board of the short-term live-aboard limits, but are stopping short of getting an enforcement order, which would allow the city to remove the boats. They are dangerous, and people are heating with them, people are cooking in them. Despite risking their lives to save the man twice, some perspective. I spoke to two female constables who were involved in the case, and they were beautiful. The gentleman lost his home, and, uh, you know, we all have to need someplace to live, and we need someplace comfortable to live, and that was his home. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. A new royal Instagram post today of special interest to British Columbians. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle posted a video of their eventful year set to the Coldplay tune, Clocks. The fast-paced video, Look Back, ends with something new. A picture of Harry and son Archie, which looks very much like it was taken during their holiday getaway somewhere on Vancouver Island. And Harry's brother, Prince William, is also making news tonight, announcing a multi-million dollar worldwide competition. We'll have the details for you right after the forecast. And it is a soggy one, as we heard a little bit earlier. It could be one of the wettest days mm -hmm. of the year. Is that, is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah, wow. With 78 millimeters of rain in Metro Vancouver, it could be the wettest day of the year. And uh, potentially the snowiest, uh, not necessarily, but uh, a lot of snow in through the Okanagan Valley. Thanks to Thelma for that one. A uh, uh, good sense of humor there in Enderby, where they had close to 30 centimeters of snow over higher terrain. Salmon Arm, one of the areas that got hammered as well. We still have snowfall warning in effect, but conditions are going to ease up. Here's a look at the satellite image. And the radar is showing the pinks earlier and the whites and now changing over to the greens, meaning that temperatures are beginning to warm up. And that will continue to be the trend overnight, believe it or not. It's not going to get colder overnight. It's going to get warmer. So likely changing over to rain for lower terrain, although snow still expected over higher terrain. And certainly in the Columbia region where we could see up to 15 centimeters of snow by the morning hours. And finally, things are easing off across the south coast you can see that wave pushing further inland so yes showers for the remainder of the evening and overnight at new year's when we're all ringing in the new year's we are still expecting a fair amount of moisture across the south coast although drier in through the okanagan valley and yes you will see snow in through the columbia and the kootenai region but tomorrow conditions continue to ease up and i'm keeping my fingers crossed for some blue sky across the south coast tomorrow afternoon believe it or not here's your highway forecast if you're traveling tomorrow uh, we still are 
expecting snowfall in some areas. Coquihalla, rain changing to snow tomorrow evening. Sea to Sky Highway, we still could see flurries. Hope Princeton, we could still see snow near the summit. And certainly the co- connector expecting flurries. Meanwhile, lower terrain, just showers in the morning for the Okanagan Valley. So much drier for you by the afternoon. But there's that snowfall for the Columbia region. And here's your first day of 2020 forecast, everyone. Mild, certainly, all across the region with mainly, as I said, showers here, although the Columbia region snowfall for our region, showers in the morning, and yes, fingers crossed for that blue sky in the afternoon. But it looks like we're back to heavy rain by the end of the day on Thursday, everyone. So just a brief break. Well, I think a lot of people have the day off tomorrow. And here's a beautiful shot from Manning Park with the heavy snow in that area. Thanks to Andrea for that one. And it's beautiful there. My sisters are up there. Not sure you can get in or out of those doors right now. but No. <laughs> All right. Probably not. Thanks, Christy. Well, Prince William is handing out millions of dollars looking for ideas that will save the planet. Ours is a world of wonder. In a video narrated by Sir David Attenborough, Williams, or William has unveiled the Earthshot Prize competition to encourage the world's greatest problem solvers to find answers to Earth's biggest environmental issues. The prizes will be awarded over the next decade with the aim of producing at least 50 solutions. The exact amounts of the prizes, though, have not been revealed. Decade of action. I love this idea. It's good. Good on him. Highly motivating. Yes. Not just the longevity of the planet, but a little cash in a pocket. That's right. Never hurts. So this is our last uh, news hour of 2019. It really is. Mm. Glad I'm with you. I don't know. Guys. I just thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody bring champagne? No. We oh talked my gosh. about it. We or those blew. little hats or the you know the party favors. I can't favors. believe we didn't bring anything. Nothing. Is there nothing around here. Well, I'm sorry. We have oh. to cancel New Year's. Now. We have a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. Happy New Year songs. Abba. Happy New Year. Oh, I'm not going to yeah. sing it for How about yeah. Auld Lang Syne? Does anybody actually know all the words to it? Or do you just start oh, no. humming it at no, some point? No, you know, like two, two lines of Two that. lines, and, and it's just all on a lot yeah. of humming after that. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, I think Travis Green is going to have a happy new year. Remember in mid-December, people were upset. The Canucks had lost four in a row. There were many thinking the Canucks should fire Green. Five straight wins later, and wait a minute, put the pink slips away. The Canucks do have a lot of hockey left this season, but right now they do have the look of a team capable of making the playoffs. They certainly have some of the pieces a team would need for a brighter future. I remember at the last day of last season, I said, we're going to be better next year, and, I, and we're going to keep getting better every year. And those are the expectations. Now, eventually we're going to get to expect, expectations that are, okay, it's, to make the playoffs, and then your expectations are going to be a team that can contend. And I like the path we're on. I really do. I believe in this group. Um, you know, there's some nights where I'm, I'm really proud of this team. And, and I think so far we're, you know, we're ahead of the game we're, where we were a year ago today. And, uh, but I do like where we're going. From November 1st until now. Tanner Pearson has scored the third most points on the Canucks. Only Besser and Pedersen have scored more. But he also is the best plus-minus guy on the team the last two months. Pearson was the guy the Canucks essentially got for former first-rounder Jared McCann, if you follow the progression. McCann for Goodbranson, Goodbranson for Pearson. And people forget, Pearson was a former first-round draft pick and a guy who was a top-six forward on some pretty good L.A. King teams at one time. Lisa. Oh, Horvath. Wrist one towards the front here. Pearson turning. He scores! 
Tanner Pearson with a spinning wrist shot into the top of the goal. This is the Tanner Pearson that the Canucks were hoping they'd get when he was acquired from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eric Branson trade. But if everyone involved was being 100% honest, Pearson was a reclamation project. A guy the Kings, who he helped win a Stanley Cup with, no longer had any use for. Same for the Penguins, where he was playing less than 10 minutes a game. And I said the other day, if you know, I kept playing the way I did, who knows where I could be. And um, So I was trying to you know, probably keep my, my national hockey career alive at, at that point. And, um, you know, it was definitely a hard look in the mirror and, and it was tough, but, um, you know, it made me a more mature player uh, today. Getting traded by two teams in a three-month span wasn't just a wake-up call. It was a major kick in the backside. Pearson finished last season by scoring nine goals in the Canucks' final 19 games. Summertime was dedicated to getting better. He hired a power skating coach and also improved his overall conditioning. And we've all seen the results this season. His 21 points the last 22 games leads the Canucks. I think it's just his work ethic. You know, you know what he's going to get. You know what he's going to bring every single night. Um, and as a, as a centerman, as a, as a player, you want to look at the guy next to you knowing he's going to come to work every single day. And I think that's a guy I love playing with because I know he's going to bring it every single night. And um, I think him and I complement each other well that way. You know, he's not a guy that if you came to a game, plays a real flashy game, but he... He does a lot of good things that help you win. He, he's, he understands what those things are in order to win because he's already won a cup. And uh, when guys like that get results, it's A, you like it, and B, I think it sets a good example for other players. This year I've just you know tried to keep my nose to the ground and go about my business and um, let the rest take care of itself. And um, So I think I've done a good job of that. All right, afternoon hockey. That's Freddie Anderson, Austin Matthews, Leafs, and Wild. Wild are usually pretty good at home, but the Leafs have been on a tear ever since they made that coaching change. Alex Kerfoot, whose dad, of course, owns the Vancouver Whitecaps, scores there. And then watch the passing by the Leafs on the power play. When they get it together, they are a fun team to watch, whether you love the Leafs or hate them. You have to admit this. That is nice hockey. Austin Matthews finishes it off. 4-1 the final for Toronto. Junior hockey, Canada against uh, the Czech Republic. There's Dylan Cousins. Power play was the difference in the first period for Canada. Joe Valeno. That's a power play goal. Then the uh, Kelowna Rockets, Nolan Foot from Bowen Byram. Drops that back to Byram. Byram, Foot, goal. And then Bowen Byram. Get speared where you don't want to get speared. Right there. Whoa. I think that Czech player wants to work for the Pollock Clinics one day. Anyway, that's a five-minute penalty. And Connor McMichael scores. One of the two goals they scored in that power play. Canada wins 7-2. They'll play Slovakia in the quarterfinals. Uh, Canada and Trinich today. Final of the Spengler Cup. And this was an easy win for the Canadians. Dustin Jeffrey on the breakaway, gets his own rebound, puts it in, they get the lift, the uh, Spangler Cup. For the 16th time in history, Canada has won more than any other team in that tournament. And of course, it's wild card weekend. I thought I'd show you the uh, latest odds. Seattle, the only road team favored, one and a half point favored over the Eagles. New Orleans, New England, and Houston are all favored in their games because, well, one of the reasons is they're the home teams. There you go.
Here's your snow report for this evening. Incredible snow right across southern BC mountains. Whistler Blackcomb, 14 centimeters. Grouse, an incredible 20. Cypress, 5 and Sasquatch, 2. Manning Park was a little too warm, but Revelstoke picked up 16. Fernie, nothing, but they should get some tonight. Kicking Horse, 3. And the southern interior mountains were the winners today. Big White, 44. Silver Star, 35. And Sun Peaks, 40. Apex picked up 5. Mount Washington, a little too warm, but Whitewater picked up 8. Red Mountain, 5. And Powder King, 25. Fireworks that actually say Paris. Around the world, they're already celebrating the new year with this spectacular show in Paris. Tens of thousands soaking up the festive atmosphere. The Champs-Élysées packed with people watching the pyrotechnics and laser light show. All right, let's check out the United Arab Emirates, too. The new year welcomed in with a fireworks display in Dubai at one of the world's tallest buildings, the Burj Khalifa. And in Tokyo, tens of thousands of people gathered at oh, wow. Tokyo's iconic Shibuya crossing to celebrate. And in Shanghai, more than 2,000 drones took to the night sky to create a spectacular show. The performance ended with the drones forming the numbers for the countdown to 2020. What's Vancouver doing again? I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Next year. I think, I think someone's got a burning schoolhouse. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Oh my goodness. Well, people of a certain age will remember it was New Year's Eve 20 years ago when we felt like we were on the verge of a worldwide catastrophe. Yeah, it was Y2K, a theory that computers wouldn't be able to handle the change to the next millennium. Well, two decades later, global Sean O'Shea caught up with the Ontario man who first sounded the alarm. I was known, starting from about 1993, as Mr. Y2K, the Y2K fellow, the doomsayer, the fearmonger, and that's my claim to fame, I guess. He's the South African-born computer whiz from Brampton, Ontario, the world's expert on Y2K. Getting people to pay attention to a problem that we could demonstrate. It wasn't a myth. Diogger made the point that computers couldn't cope when the year 1999 became the year 2000. We simply did not know how they would fail. We knew that they would fail. At first, the issue wasn't taken that seriously, except by banks, followed by government and industry. Entire sectors really didn't understand how difficult a problem this would be to fix. Diogger traveled the world speaking to organizations, telling them to get smarter before 2000 came along. There were people that were critical saying, wait a minute, this is bunk, this isn't going to happen, you're exaggerating. <laughs> there are people who think the world is flat. There are people who think that vaccinations are a bad idea. But you did get criticism. <laughs> we got death threats. When Diogger raised concerns about what could happen if software wasn't fixed, he says he got widely taken out of context, like when it came to elevators. Peter Diogger says elevators will plummet to the ground. Seriously, guys, that is not what anyone said. Many had a fear of flying that New Year's, but planes didn't crash and nuclear power plants didn't experience serious problems. When you're ringing an alarm bell, anyone who hears the alarm bell is going to get nervous. As the new millennium approached, so did widespread fears. The survivalists got involved, and I'm going, guys, this is not necessary. But once the horse is out of the barn, it's really difficult to get it back in. An estimated $400 billion in technology spending later, 2000 rolled in uneventfully. No crises, no catastrophes. 
had this money not been spent, what potentially would have happened? Here we go again. We're speculating, right? We don't know. We honestly do not know. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto. Now we need to put that same amount of money into climate change and mitigating that. Yeah, let's hope this is the decade. That's right. We're taking care of that issue. Resolutions. All right. Uh, we will need our umbrellas tonight. If we're going to be outside, don't just don't. Yeah, it's starting to ease off, though. So for the remainder of the evening, especially if you're ringing in the new year outside, I don't know why you would be today. With, <laughs> but um, it's just showers expected. And tomorrow, much brighter day. We could actually see a bit of blue sky tomorrow afternoon. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, thank you, most of all, for uh, watching us mm-hmm. this year. It's been a great year. All the best. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, look, it's already on. That looks good.